Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter one. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures. Those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right there on your screen, wherever it is that you're watching us from. Can I just say, I love you from the bottom of my heart. And I am so grateful that you're part of our family and what God is doing here. We live in a throwaway culture, don't we? I mean, as consumers, we've gotten used to buying things, using them, then just throwing them away. In fact, some things are of such poor quality that it makes no sense to fix them when they break. We just throw them away and replace them. I really love these outdoor patio heaters, for example. You buy them at Home Depot, and it feels like every year I buy this patio heater, and I think, this is the year it's gonna be the one, but it never is. It feels like I can never get those things to last more than a year. And they're not cheap, they're like 200 bucks, but every year, it feels like I have to replace that. I just throw it away. I have a friend, he started an entire business on Wayfair throwaways. When Wayfair sends the wrong thing, he picks it up and then he gets to keep it. And if he wants to, He can sell it because if Wayfair sends you the wrong thing, it's cheaper for them to just write it off than it is for them to pay the shipping to get it back. We live in a throwaway culture. I I have another friend, he started a food ministry at his church and this past year, he was able to give away $4.3 million worth of food to over 100,000 people and all the food was donated by Amazon. Because if Amazon Fresh, their grocery delivery service, sends the wrong thing, it's cheaper to give the food away than it is to pay people to put it back on the shelves. It's either give the food away or literally burn it. We live in a throwaway culture. We throw so much stuff away that we're actually running out of places to put the things we throw away. Landfills across the country, they're overflowing. In fact, on the East Coast, they load up these massive barges with trash and they sail up and down the coast looking for places to drop it off, just looking for places to dump it. We live in a throwaway culture, but it's not just products, it's also people. We live in a society that likes to throw people away. Hurt people, damaged people, wounded people, inconvenient people, people with problems and pain, baggage and addictions. And it's been magnified with this pandemic, with layoffs and cutbacks and unemployment. Our cities, they've been overrun with unemployment and homelessness. So places like Seattle and Portland, LA and New York, Denver and Cincinnati have designated entire parts of their cities and created homeless communities, tent cities. Like you go over there where we don't have to see you. 
That's not new. We've been incarcerating and institutionalizing people rather than repairing and rehabilitating them for decades. We live in a throwaway culture. And it makes God sad because God isn't a throwaway God. He's not in the replacement business. He's in the restoration business, the redemption business. My friend, with the food ministry, he was able to redeem what would have otherwise been thrown away. And that's what Jesus did on the cross and what God wants us to do with the people he puts into our lives. And so I wanna talk about that today because if America is ever gonna smile again, we have to discover life is valuable. Let's pray. God, we love you, we honor you. Thank you for who you are, thank you that before we ever loved you, you loved us. Before we ever valued you, you valued us. That God of all of the things that you created, we're your favorite. So God, today I pray that we would walk in that favor, that my brothers and my sisters who are watching this, that their hearts and their minds would be filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we would be adjusted, changed, morphed into your image, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the biggest barriers to happiness or joy is the feeling that our life has no value. We didn't do what we thought we would or become who we thought we would, so we feel like we have no purpose. And the Bible talks about that. It says where there's no purpose, the people, they're gonna perish. When we have no purpose, we feel like we have no value, like we should just be discarded, thrown away. But to God, you have purpose. He said, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good. They're not for bad. They're to give you a future and a hope. I love this time of year. It's, it's spring has sprung and people are starting to do their spring cleaning. And so they're starting to have garage sales. And I'm a garage sale guy. I love garage sales. I like to map them out. I love when whole subdivisions have garage sales. And sometimes they have all the stuff too. They have like food trucks and dudes are grilling out and they're, they're selling brats and kids are selling Kool-Aid. And I mean, I love it. Now, Pastor Sunny, she hates it. She hates when I go to garage sales because like I'm always just buying stuff I don't need from other people who don't need that stuff. But I love it. I don't, I don't know what it is, maybe it's the, the thrill of the chase or the adrenaline of the hunt. But this week, I read a story about a guy who was also a garage sailor. He's actually, it's kind of his living. He's, he's an antiquer, if you would. He went to a garage sale in Connecticut and he found this bowl. And it just looked like any other bowl to me. Like I looked at the picture and it looked like a bowl that you would get at Pier 1 Imports. This is a white bowl, the little blue little pain in it, and it's cute, it's a nice little bowl. Now, he paid $35 for it. I would never pay $35 for a bowl. And I probably wouldn't pay $35 for a bowl at Pier 1, never mind at a garage sale. But he, he saw something in that bowl that, that the average person, even the people who were selling it, didn't see. And so he, he bought the bowl, didn't even negotiate. He went home, he took pictures of the bowl, and he sent it to Sotheby's, the auction house in New York City. And the minute that the guy in charge of buying for Sotheby's opened his email, he flipped out. He knew instantly what that bowl was. He called the guy, they got it in, they did testing on the bowl and come to find out that it was one of four bowls like that left in the entire world and the other three are in 
museums. It, the bowl was from the early 1400s. They think it's from the Ming Dynasty. They're gonna list that thing. They're gonna sell it at auction in Sotheby's. I believe it's next month. And the starting bid is $350,000. They think that it'll bring upwards of, if not more than half a million dollars. Someone basically threw that bowl away. But that bowl had unbelievable value. Guys, you're like that bowl. You have value. Your life has meaning and purpose. You just may not know what it is yet. You know, a lot of people thought I was a throwaway. I grew up in a challenging environment. My parents did the best that they could. My dad, he was a pioneer in our family. He grew up on a dairy farm in Northern Ontario, Canada, but he wanted something more, something different for his family. So when my dad heard that the auto plants were hiring, he took a huge risk. He moved my mom and my brothers to Windsor, Ontario, Canada. He got a job at Ford Motor Company and he bought him a little house at 867 Chatham Street East. And at the time, it was a decent middle-class neighborhood, but it didn't take long until the neighborhood started to decay, to decline. Filled up with strippers and prostitutes, drug addicts, drunks, and their kids. So I grew up rough, needing to be tough. But my mom, she encouraged us. She challenged us, really, to dream. So when I got the opportunity to get out, I did. I went to college on an athletic scholarship and was given the opportunity to start new, but rather than starting over properly, I took my ghetto attitude with me. I ended up getting arrested and sentenced to 15 years in the Minnesota State Pen. I served 111 days and went free. But my mind and my emotions, they were still incarcerated. I was still locked up. I was wounded, damaged. After losing my scholarship, I somehow miraculously landed another one, but this time it was at an Assembly of God school. It's where I met Sonny and Jesus. But even there, I was still wounded. I was still damaged. But because of my talent, that damage was ignored, and my talents were prostituted to help promote the school. And you know, it didn't stop upon graduation. My talents were capitalized upon for more than a decade after I graduated for full-time ministry. They, they were used to have me speak and sing all over the world, and my damage and deficiencies were overlooked until they couldn't be overlooked anymore. I was pastoring a growing, thriving church, but Pastor Sonny, she couldn't take my lies, ego, and manipulation anymore, so she packed up my kids and left me with the intention of filing for a divorce. You know, the church world, it's a small world, so it didn't take long for word to spread about the split. And people who'd previously booked me to come speak at their churches and their events, they started calling and canceling me. In fact, one day I was canceled from 12 events. I was getting so many cancellation calls, I stopped answering my phone. I figured I'd just let people cancel me over voicemail. And in the midst of my pain, people just abandoned me, walked out of my life because we live in a throwaway culture. But God wasn't done. That setback was just a set up for my comeback because God isn't a throwaway God. He's not in the replacement business. He's in the restoration business, the redemption business. And do you know many of the people who threw me away, they don't even know what God's done in my life since. They don't know about the healing God's done in my heart and my mind and my marriage and my kids. They don't know about the thousands of people that 
God has saved through this church, the marriages that have been rescued, the relationships between parents and kids that have been restored, the addictions that have been overcome. And I wonder how many people you've thrown away whose setback was just a setup for their comeback. Or how many of you have been thrown away who need to realize your setback was just a setup for your comeback. Because God isn't in the throwaway business. It makes me think about a guy in the scriptures who was viewed as a throwaway guy. In the eyes of the king, Nehemiah, he was disposable, a throwaway. In his day, kingdoms were always under attack from outside and from within. Kings were always in danger of assassination, but not by snipers, by poisoning. So kings, they had these guys called cupbearers, guys who tasted their food and drinks before they ate it or drank it. <laughs> if the cupbearer didn't die, the king ate the food or drank the drink. But if the cupbearer died, the king just brought in another cupbearer. They were disposable, throwaways. Their lives were of such insignificance that they were used as sacrifices for the king. And yet in spite of this job description, a cupbearer was expected to be happy. He was required to always be smiling. He was never allowed to not smile in front of the king. He was expected to be thoughtful, well-clothed, and well-spoken, even though his life was at risk every single day. He was expendable, disposable, a throwaway. And Nehemiah, he served well. He had never broken rank until one day he came across someone who'd come back from his hometown and reported its condition. Watch this, this is from Nehemiah chapter one. I asked them about the Jews who'd survived the captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said things aren't going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble, in great disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. But then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I'll bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to be. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. It was in those days that I was the king's cupbearer. See, in that, in those scriptures, we actually see the four steps Nehemiah took to go from a throwaway to a person of purpose. He mourned, wept, fasted, and prayed. And when he did those four things, God's purpose showed him his value and drove him to help others realize theirs. He saw a need, his city. It had been devastated, the walls, they had been destroyed. And, and those walls weren't just a source of protection. They were also a symbol of pride. 
Before those walls had been destroyed, the people in surrounding nations, they would have looked at the magnitude. They would have looked at the magnificence of what the children of Israel had built, and they would have marveled at it. But with the walls in shambles, well, their pride and protection had crumbled too. And, and to fight, it just seemed useless. So they just gave themselves up to captivity. I wonder how many people thinking their lives are in shambles have decided it's useless to fight and have just given themselves up to captivity because the thing they thought was their protection, it's been destroyed. They got a divorce. They lost their job. They gave in to addiction. Their shortcomings spiraled their lives into shambles. And so they just gave up. But Nehemiah, he decided to use the thing that seemed like a shortcoming as an advantage. In the eyes of the king, he was disposable, a throwaway. If he wasn't there, he could easily be replaced. Why not use that to his advantage and ask to go home to help his city? I mean, come on, king, you, you won't even know I'm gone. You won't even notice that I'm not here. So Nehemiah, he prayed that God would give him favor and would let him access the resources God had already put in his life, namely the king. So he asked for three things, permission, protection, and provision. He asked that the king would allow him to return to his city, that he would give him permission to go home, that he would send him with letters of protection, and that he would provide him with the resources that he'd need to rebuild with the enemy had destroyed. And when he got to the city, he found a bunch of throwaway people in a throwaway place. And when he got there, he allowed God to use his story to reestablish a sense of pride and rebuild the source of protection. And he did that by reminding them that they were people of purpose. And I wonder, what resources do you have in your life that God could use to change the lives of the people around you if you would just Ask him to. If you just mourned, wept, fasted, and prayed, what damage has been repaired in you, restored in you, rebuilt in your life that God can use to rebuild the people around you? That old divorce? The time you lost your job? The time you couldn't stop giving in to addiction? I mean, guys, you want to be a happy person, a joyful person, a person who smiles again? Here's a simple formula. Start helping other people. But what people? Well, what makes you sad? Does homelessness make you sad? Help there. Does human trafficking make you sad? Does divorce or fatherlessness, victims of addiction or abuse? Help there. Help them. Maybe they've decided it's useless to fight and they've just given themselves up to captivity. Help them, serve them, remind them they're people of purpose. Because the more you serve people, the more you'll value people. And the more you value people, the more you'll serve people. Then the more you serve them, the more you and they will smile again. And so I wonder, will you do that today? I hope you will, because you are people of purpose in your life and the lives of the people around you. They are 
valuable. Will you close your eyes? You know, I was thinking about salvation this week and we talk about salvation every week. It just never gets old. It's because I feel like the Holy Spirit, he continually gives us a fresh perspective, a new eyesight, if you would, on it. And I was thinking about salvation today is the acknowledgement of your value. Acknowledging that you are valuable to God, that God has a purpose for you. And his purpose is for you to be in relationship with him. You know, we talk a lot about being saved or having Jesus be your personal Lord and Savior. And those things, sometimes they get lost in translation. And when you say that somebody is gonna be your Lord, that means you're gonna give them authority over you. And when you say that they're gonna be your Savior, it just means you think they can rescue you. He wants to rescue you. And he wants to rescue you because you're worth it. He already paid the price. So today I wonder if you would say, Sean, I want to eliminate anything that makes me feel devalued. And I need an injection of Jesus into my life to let me realize who I am. Would you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And we're going to do it in the simplest way possible. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that you're a sinner, but you believe that Jesus can save you, you're saved. So today, I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer and then I'm gonna pause. And when I pause, if you repeat those words and mean them in your heart, you will be saved. And so today, if you need Jesus to come into your life and give you eternal value, would you pray this? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? Will you change me? Will you make me different? Will you make me new? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. I'm now your brother. Pastor Sonny's now your sister. The, the people that are part of the Life Church community, they've become your family. And so as your family, we would love the opportunity to help you to walk out this Jesus journey. So if you'd reach out to us and message us and let us know that you've become a part of our spiritual family, we sure will follow up with you and pray for you. But we're not done. I wonder if you're watching this and you'd say, Sean, I'm, I'm already part of the Jesus family. I'm already a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. But you don't feel valuable. You feel small. You feel worthless. Something or someone has made you feel like you're invisible, like you're a throwaway but you're not. And so if you feel like that, can I pray for you? God, for my friends, God, they feel small, damaged, insignificant. God, breathe life into them. Recharge their spirit, God. Let them know that they are invaluable. There is not a number that can be put on their worth that of all of the people who have ever existed, they are the only one like them. They are one of a kind, a masterpiece. Convince them of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? 
You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.